the bigger. Look at the turn. Oh, that was brilliant. Look, Bruce. Gee, it's a good kick. It is a great kick. It's one for the ages. O'Brien, some candy. And then a goal. Lewis runs into the open goal. Thank you very much. The Hawks are back in town. The times, they are a-changing for the mighty HFC, who have shaken things up, well, just a little bit, ahead of another big clash at Optus Stadium. It's the Hawks taking on the Eagles, and we're discussing all the ins and outs, as well as all the other big talking points from the footy world this week, right here on the Hawk Talk Podcast. My name is Nick Mason, and joining me is my co-host, a man who's taken a look at the team for this week. G'day, Tiz. Are you going to be pleased, mate? There's plenty of run in this side. You ready? Yeah, go for it. Let's start from the back line. Blake Hardwick, James Frawley, James Sicily... Will Day, Sam Frost, Ben Stratton. That's our six backs. Now, this is where it gets good. Centre line, Chankwath GF, Jager Amira, Connor Glass. What do you think? All right, so those are two of our ins, and obviously I'm a huge fan of CJ. If CJ makes it onto the wing, that's all I've wanted this year, mate. That's my dream scenario. So if it happens to, to be this week at Optus Stadium, I'm very pleased. Angry Irishman, Connor Glass, coming in off the wing, smacking heads. What do you reckon? <laughs> well, he's earned it, hasn't he? I mean, by reputation and, and the reports coming out of these scratch matches, he's he's been touted as one of the more consistent players. And, of course, he has been on the list a while now, so I think it's the right call to get him into the side and see if he can actually perform at the level once and for all. Let's see what he can do. All right, half forwards, Jack Gunston, Luke Bruce, Chad Wingard, and the full forward line, Harry Morrison, Maxwell Smart. Tim O'Brien. What? Well, I'm just saying, Maxwell Smart. That, I did the team sheet, and that's that's Tim O'Brien. Oh, so you've pushed me under the bus, have you, here? I, okay. <laughs> I thought you'd noticed, to be honest. Oh, I should have I should have realised, but I missed it, you know. By that much? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Liam Shields is the resting rover in the forward pocket. Harking back to the early 80s. Okay. Uh, ben McAvoy, James Warple, Tom Mitchell are the rucks. And our interchange is Jarman Impey, Sean Burgoyne, who returns to the lineup, Jack Scrimshaw, and Connor Nash. So we've had Burgoyne, Glass, and GF come in for Smith, who did his shoulder, as we saw last week. Segler's had a reoccurrence of his toe injury, and Scully has been. Managed. Or, as um, one of our listeners, Spud Gun, has put it on Twitter, uh, managed to disappoint us yet again. <laughs> well, I do note that he's in the emergencies, um, which means that uh, perhaps he's being mi- micromanaged, um, <laughs> along with Dylan Moore, Michael Hartley, and Ollie Hanrahan. But uh, what do you think? There's some there's some pace off the wings there. Yeah, it's it's not bad. I mean, after the messaging of the week, I, I probably expected a bit more. Uh, I, I thought there was going to be about four changes. I thought Patton might make the side as well. But, uh, you know, all things considered, I've got a lot that I actually wanted. We've got CJ in the team. We've got another youngster in glass who, who we haven't seen for a while. He's getting his shot. Uh, I've been begging for Scully to be rested for a, for a while. Rested is probably a generous term. If anyone's listened to this pod for the last couple of months, uh, I've wanted him to be omitted, and he is. So, look, I should be happy. Uh, do I think it's a winning side? I, I honestly have no idea. Well, it's a tough opponent, really, isn't it? And I think they've got McGovern back. And 
we just don't we don't seem to have the tall timber up forward, so it'll be an interesting game plan. Seeing Segler's also out, we've only got McAvoy for Nat Nui. Yeah, this is going to be a difficult game, but we have performed remarkably well against West Coast in the past. Yeah, if we could just somehow, being back at Optus Stadium, just harness that spirit from round 23 last year and get the job done. We're going to need a bit of that. Uh, we heard from Peter at Hawk Talk Pod. He wants to know, as per the letter from Kennett earlier this week, have we officially put the queue in the rack, Tiz? This was one of the great tomes of political essay writing. <laughs> this brought it back to me. He just said, we're a club that never gives up, but right now we're looking to 2021. So you, you just can't pin him down, can you, Jeff? You, you can't pin Jeff down. He's slippery like an eel. You know, he's dodging, he's weaving. I just hope they're competitive this week, you know, and they and they give themselves space and they back themselves in to, um, to play the best footy they can. I think they responded to the highly defensive uh, Frio uh, by being defensive themselves and second-guessing a lot of their own efforts. But West Coast don't play that well, that way. They have a high, high efficiency on their disposal and, you know, it might suit us a bit. But I, I just don't think we have the timber in the forward line to to expose them. Yeah, last week was pretty damning in terms of just how desperate it was getting for scoring opportunities. And yeah, we, we just lack potency. But that said, you know, it resets this week. We've got a different opposition team who will bring something different. Um, one thing I noticed about the Freo game, mate, is you're completely correct. You didn't think that Freo was going to manage to score 10 goals again. Uh, they didn't need to, <laughs> which is sad. No, I know. I hate being right, and it's still <laughs> so wrong. My goodness. But uh, the, um, you know, it was very frustrating. And, and at times it looked like Frio had just, well, they must have taken all the caffeine pills out of the pharmacy or something because Hawthorne looked that slow comparatively. And uh, a lot of the commentators were talking about how it was the young players burning us. But, you know, they're, they're responding to the freedom of not having... Ross Lyon breathing down their necks and making sure they go through Fife all the time. They were spreading the load, and I think you know, a lot of it was left up to Tom Mitchell, who who worked hard but still doesn't have his touch back. And it just it just falls to the the to the um the same boys every week to get the team up and they're reaching a point in their career and certainly this year where there's not much to play for now. If we're going forward into a rebuild, what, you know, it's just pride that gets you through. One of the things that frustrated me was uh, I agree with the, the sentiment that it is the same guys that try and lift us up and drag us over the line. Uh, Sicily has been fantastic this season. and That was a wonderful individual moment from Sicily, that mark. That was terrific. That was enough. That The ball movement from Nash to Bruce... Um, also, I think that was another play that looked good. There were moments where Frio had switched off. We got to say that uh, that um, that we do look good, and that's been the tale of the year. There's the, we've looked really, really good at times, and we've looked deplorable at others. Uh, so we know the talent is on the list, but we don't know how old the talent is. Like, is that the talent that's falling off the list this and next year? And that's why we get a look at these two blokes this week. Giath and Glass, plus Burgers, who's great experience and I think gives 
uh, Clarko a sense of security in that he can chuck him anywhere and he sort of has a he does have an impact on the blokes around him he does I'll agree with that and while I would have hoped for a bit more youth as they did flag throughout the week uh, I can accept that Burgoyne still has a part to play he is important and there's still time this is round 12 we've still got a number of weeks remaining in the season if they want to try some guys, there's still time to do that. And I think they've made a good start, even though it is conservative, just with CJ and Glass, just the two names. I, I think it's a great start. And of course, we have to remember that Will Day is still out in the park for us. I think he's put together a massive chunk of footy this year, and he's shown that he can operate at the level and very comfortably and very well successfully. Uh, so I think there's there's a bit of upside in terms of the youth about Hawthorne. I just hope they keep it going from here, irrespective of the result. Win or lose, as much as people will interpret it as an inclination towards tanking, I don't mind the result. I'm looking ahead to 2021. I'd rather that we win. When I switch on my TV, I'll always rather that Hawthorne win. But it's, uh, th- there are other things that are, that are on my mind for Hawthorne at the moment besides the result. Well, you want to see the development of the youngsters, and, and it has been stifled by the lack of a VFL competition or any real scratch matches of any intensity. Um, so it might be a lost year for a lot of blokes, but um, it's hard to tell Burgoyne to go back to the twos, I think, if he's fit. Legend of the club and has standards that, Keep the blokes around him honest. Well, at the end of the day, you pick on merit, don't you? And I, I'm slightly concerned that no one's pinching his spot. But then what can be done about that? Yeah, Hanrahan's on the emergencies and he'd be frustrated. But he has to understand that um, <laughs> Burgoyne's, what, you know, one of five players in a generation and, mate, you're just not that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tough pill to swallow, but then again, fair enough. Well, I mean, he's seen off Puopolo, hasn't he, Hanrahan? That's true, yep. I mean, he's going to get another opportunity. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And he should as well. Now, in better news, Hawthorne are playing out the end of the season, at least. <laughs> so today we've got West Coast, six days later, Port Adelaide at 4.30, and then five days after that, we've got Essendon at 4.40 on a Thursday, which is strange. And then whilst Adelaide are having a snooze, kicking back, enjoying the bye, they come and play us on the following Tuesday, which again is five days break. And it's our home game, thank the Lord, because we're at Adelaide Oval. Oh, so I love a home game at Adelaide Oval. That's my favourite. All things being equal. Now... Take a breath because we've got another five-day break. And then we're off to Metricon to play St Kilda. But it's on a Sunday and at one o'clock in the afternoon. So that's the time you like, right? So you got something there. <laughs> yeah. And then we've got the Western Bulldogs back at Adelaide Oval after a seven-day break. Excellent. Thank you so much. And then round 18, Gold Coast at Adelaide Oval again. That is to be advised. And that, that could be what? Looking at the other times, 2.30 in the morning, what do you reckon? There is a caveat here. If the Taswegians want us, they can have us from rounds 14, so the Essendon, Adelaide, Western Bulldogs and the Gold Coast game. If, in fact, they'll let us in, we'll be playing in Launceston. Knowing our luck with the fixturing and the schedule this year... You say luck, I say determined conspiracy against Hawthorne. (laughs) It sort of rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you know, that that's 
not even a woeful attempt at being courteous to a club. <laughs> have you seen the gilt-edged fixture that Richmond have into finals yet again? It is ridiculous. I didn't actually make note of that. But look, whatever happens to the rest of this year, uh, whatever the win-loss ratio is for Hawthorne, I think we're all going to get to the end of it. And, and we'll all look back on this season history as not only the pandemic-ravaged season of Australian rules football, but Hawthorne fans are going to look back on this fixture and go, it couldn't get worse, could it? And then round one, 2021, will be announced. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hang on. If we finish lower in the in the ladder, then surely we deserve a better fixture next year. That's how the system works. Yeah, no, that's that's how it's meant to work. But uh, you just wait, strap yourselves in, because... Uh, what do they say? Don't fight the Fed and don't fight AFL House? <laughs> Maybe we've just got to learn our lessons. Now, we've got some questions, which is good. Yeah, we have a few questions. Uh, we heard from Willard first at Hawk Talk Pod. Quite a cluster of questions here. How do we get that toughness and respected aura back? How do we get that cohesion back? Can we bring back the unsociable Hawks? How do we get back to being a happy team and play to win again? I mean, I, I wish I had the answers to that, Willard. Now, Tiz, my, my suspicion is that all you need to start all this again, to reboot Hawthorne, it takes as little as a win. You get the four points, it does wonders for your confidence, and things can flow from there. But it's about securing those, those four points that is the tricky bit. Yeah, well, the most important point here would be that we were outworked the last few weeks. So that's the first thing that has to happen. The boys need to put their heads down, bums up, nose to the grindstone, just get a win any way you can. And it's going to be very tough given the opponents we've got coming up. But that's respected. You put the effort in. Even if you are losing, you can gain respect. Um, Once you get wins... You get some confidence up, you know. It all snowballs and you start feeling good again. Just the same way things start going badly, and that snowballs. And it all starts with effort. It all starts with the first bounce and trying your guts out. And someone saying, I've had enough of this. Yeah, basically. I've had Jack of losing. It's time to turn the tables. Now, Jacob has some issues with Clarko, which I believe is sacrilegious. Is that right? (laughs) And we may have to come up with a a curative for him. Um, For the first time in my life, I'm starting to wonder if Clarko is underperforming. Do I have to read the rest of this, Nick, or is that disqualification? Do you want me to take over? I can do it. If it's too painful for you. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I back him in. But this list shouldn't lose games to Frio and Sydney. Well, I agree with that. Despite the common narrative, I actually think we still have a good list. So is it coaching that's letting us down? And, um... Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for more there. But um, look, there's a bit to that question. Um, I think that we do have a good list that is not meeting their potential right now. No, we shouldn't lose games to Frio and Sydney, but look at some of the gameplay that we've had. I, I ask you, why not? <laughs> why can't we drop those games? We're not playing a particularly attractive brand of football, not one that's geared towards scoreboard pressure, or what, or at least not not so much that it's not geared towards scoreboard pressure, but it's just, it seems ineffective in heaping it on. So why can't we lose to those teams? I don't think that we should, but why not? Well, I'd say in both those cases, we were outworked round the ball, and our ball movement suffered as a result. We had to break through their defensive systems much more often than they had to break through ours. And 
uh, Clarko hasn't been providing space for Smith and Scully to be at their most dominant and have the ability to change games. And um, part of that has been that we haven't had Patton, we haven't had anyone long up the line to kick kick to. Um, when, but we're not taking, you know, there's so many things that need to be tweaked. And the first thing that you'd want to improve if you were Clarko was the disposal efficiency. Our kicking efficiency is awful this year. It becomes a problem, particularly when, you know, with that Freo game, uh, we couldn't win the footy. But then when we would have the footy, we'd burn it immediately. So that wasn't our get out either. Oh, my goodness. There was some perceived pressure integer there that was ridiculous because we were just... Anyway, um, Clarko does need to um, have a hard think over the off-season, but I think, you know... All this COVID stuff really, really killed his game plan from the get-go. It just seems like whatever they had in mind just hasn't worked. And that's fine. And that, that that's okay. That happens. That's a misfire. That is back to the drawing board stuff. Occasionally, even the best will get it wrong. And I think, are we willing to say that's what that's what's happened here? That the players are executing the game plan but the game plan's just no good? No, I don't think so. I don't think the game plan's worked really after the COVID break, has it? Like, I mean, we got a bit lucky against Carlton and exposed them, um, but there's been no match. There's been no match where you thought, oh, yeah, we've got this. This is an obvious game plan. That you know, When a game plan is working, you notice patterns and things happening again and again. And I haven't noticed that kind of consistency in Hawthorne's arrangements. No, I've not noticed that either. I think it's going to be, you know, however we finish this year, it's going to be a really important summer to to really tinker with stuff and and just really sit down and nut out just something else. Because it just hasn't, whatever we we came into this year with, it just hasn't worked. And I think you you put that in the waste paper basket and you draw up something new. Because God knows, like, I, I still believe in our lists. Like, I still think that our best 22 looks really good. E- even at round 12, I'm not willing to concede that, you know, looking at us on paper, I don't look at our best 22 and go, nah, actually, that's kind of terrible. No, nah, I, I don't see that. I think there's potential there. And the frustrating bit is that we're not able to do anything with it. So I think it's going to be a huge off-season to try and recalibrate and renegotiate how to get the best out of these guys because we just haven't seen it this season. Now, Mount Everest is sort of looking at the psychological aspect. He says, do you think Clarko is reinventing the wheel too much? We have a really talented list and at our best it really shows. But it feels like some players are fitting a system too much, which can work. But as you can see on the scoreboard, it's not going to plan. Um, We've noticed a lack of creativity, certainly from a lot of players. A lack of willingness to take the first option sometimes. Um, Second-guessing themselves. There's been a couple of moments with Scrimshaw that have been fairly obvious too, especially in the last moments of games. We've heavily disagreed on the the passage of play with uh, Sam Frost running through the centre of the ground, which I don't want to get into again. What I would say is it does demonstrate, essentially, there's a disconnect. Like the, the, The players are not on the same page. I think that moment demonstrates that Frost has an idea of how to cure our ails, but then the players around him are like, what the bloody hell are you doing? We, 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 this isn't this isn't the plan. This isn't what we're doing. But then I think Frost has seen the plan and gone, well, that bloody doesn't work. So, yeah, Well, well he, he, he wanted to break through their defensive structure, which is a great idea, but um, it just closed in around him. 
and also the umpire was a bastard. That wasn't running too far. That was that was garbage. And you know, part of that can be um, put down to the fact that the players can't train all together, and the trainings are so different. And um, we have a, a coach who's an intellectual rather than a, a rah rah coach. And a lot of the teams that are rah rah that aren't, you know, the, you will see a lot of the interstate sides are up near the top of the ladder. Um, due to the fact that we're always playing interstate, I don't think there's any strangeness about that. But um, a lot of the sides have a quite simple game method where they either outnumber uh, at the fall of the ball. But uh, Kaiko's never really had that. He's had a, a well-defined structure across the whole ground. So um, Rick asks, are we missing Dan Howe? Which is a name we don't hear very often anymore. Um He's had a long time out and... Um... A long way back with uh, foot issues. Um, am I personally missing Dan Howe from this lineup? I'd say honestly, probably not. But, you know, with the last few games of the season, I wouldn't hate to see him back just to give us a bit of a different dimension. I think he brings a, a, something a bit different to something that uh, to the kinds of things that our midfield are currently bringing. And you could play him off the back line as well. He's a bigger size and he can... Hold his, hold his ground over the ball. Um, view from the nosebleeds. Cousins is clearly the informed player in scratch matches, yet he seems too similar to our existing mids. Yeah, he's also well-contracted, isn't he, Nick? I think he's till the end of next year. Yeah, being not overly quick and lacking a penetrating kick. How does he win a spot on the side when he's clearly earned it? This falls to the uh, selection table and being bold. It is about using these last few weeks to, you know... They seem they haven't been tempted so far. The coaches to break up the 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 Fab Four, if you like, of uh, Shields and O'Meara and Mitchell and Warple. They they haven't really deviated from that for a number of weeks now, which is interesting to me because our midfield has been routinely smashed. We get absolutely creamed in that part of the ground. So you know, if it was up to me, I, I would be bringing you know Cousins and even Jones. I think has earned it at this point as well. You can afford to give Shields a week off, or, or even a couple if they're going well, if it proves to work well. Or play Jager outside the inside players, you know? Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because we hear about, um, you know, in the scratch matches, playing Jones forward because they're, they're trying to work out a way to get him into the, into the team. They need him to have a bit more versatility. But the guys in the centre, in the engine room at the moment, that seems to be all they can do, and they're not even doing that well. Yeah, so Dino says outside the main three, Warpedo, Mitch and Jager, I feel like there's a spot for dynamic talent to break into the rotation. Do we have a game-breaking, goal-kicking mid in the ranks? And we've seen that from all those three. They're just not doing it this year. And there's various reasons for each of them why it's not happening so far. We know Mitchell's the obvious one. We saw, we've seen flashes of brilliance from Mitchell, but that's it's going to take time before he strings that kind of form together in a number of consecutive games. Uh, Jager, we've seen it from this year, just patches of it. Warple's role, I dare say, has entirely changed now that Mitchell's back. Uh, of course, he wasn't going to necessarily replicate his form from last year. So I think that plays into it as well. Now, this is good. I like this. Because Sicily forward worked. So Hawks Forever says, can we swap Sicily forward and O'Brien to play back? Now, I don't like the O'Brien backline thing. <laughs> I'd probably bring in Hartley to play in the defence. Yes. Instead of Sicily. And then ask Hartley to give it off uh, to Impey or, or Day or Scrimshaw. Probably not Frost. 
to break off the halfback line. It's enormously frustrating when, you know, Clarko's big move late in the game, we've seen it a couple of times this year, is to swing Sicily forward. And he has an instant impact. And it's like, well, okay. I mean, I'm glad he's taken a screamer, he's gone back and slotted it, but it makes you wonder about our, you know, our regular forward contingent, whose job it is to actually take those marks and, and kick those goals. It's pretty damning when a guy who hasn't played that position just sort of swans up there and does what he likes. Now, speaking of Sicily, a controversial opinion from Trent here at Hawk Talk Pod. We should trade Sicily. I love him to bits, but he's one of the few players on our list that is worth some good picks. Plus, he plays a position that I think we have some good talent to help fill. What are your thoughts? Um, my thoughts are you should always trade forwards and not defenders. Interesting. Can I uh, get your rationale on that? Big forwards, they're over much earlier in their career as far as I'm concerned. So if there's a forward, move them on like we did with Nathan Thompson and we saw um, John Hay left around the same time. But I don't think Sicily would really... uh, I don't want to let Sicily go, do you? I mean, it's... No, I, I don't want to let our best player go. I mean, look, I, I get the temptation. He is bloody good, and therefore he would probably attract a really good deal. But just because it could doesn't mean you just do it. He's just not the kind of player that you trade. Even 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 Franklin wasn't that. By the time Franklin left, you know, he's one of the best players in the comp, sure, but you're looking at a very even team that Hawthorne is able to go, I oh, know it's not a trade, everyone settle down, don't add us. <laughs> <laughs> but even Buddy Franklin, you're looking at a Hawthorne side in 2013 where it's like, okay, well, this is a team of champions and you're not losing definitively your best asset. You could feasibly still have a really, really great side without him in it. And of course, we proved that. Went on to win the next two. No worries. But with Sicily right now, I just, no, you, you do not deal with someone who, who is daylight ahead of, of the rest of the players. Although I'm just thinking here, and, and we got rid of Crowd and McFarlane, both. Well, Crowd became a premiership player. McFarlane was one of the best players at Frio for many years. Um, it's just such a roll of the dice. I mean, the likelihood we pick up another Hodge is so faint. Oh, look, it's a Hail Mary move. And, and look, I, I don't want to rule it out. because it really just depends on what is presented to you when you start dealing. It depends on what the offer is. Uh, I'd I'd have to look at it on that basis, but I would very much caution against that. It becomes a problem then because who else? Who else would you put on the table? Which I guess is what our next question is from MG here at Hawk Talk Pod. So, fellas, is it time to discuss which much-loved Premiership legends we'll need to trade out as part of our inevitable rebuild? No, we've got plenty of time at the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> but he poses a good point, MG, because it's like, okay, and, and, and following on from what Trent has said, if I'm not willing to say, okay, let's put Sicily on the table, then it becomes, well, who? Who are you going to deal with, Nick? Who are you going to take from this list and who has currency... I'm just not sure, Tiz. I don't know. Yeah, well, I think we'll know by the by the end of the season. I mean, if you notice a premiership player that's it's a bit strange that he's holding his spot, then he's probably looking. It's guys that 
probably in the frame for mine where I hear this question, guys like Bruce and Gunston, and I'm like, God, I really don't want to lose them. But then I can't think of anyone else that I'd put up. Look, it's it's a very compromised draft anyway. So, and so is the season. Our whole performance has been compromised. We're probably better than we actually look. Okay, so it, it's a gross overreaction to be farming our players now. The danger of thinking about this stuff now as well is you just don't have all the information. We're going to know a lot more about this list, I hope, in the next six weeks or so. I hope we get a lot more of an idea of where the youngsters are, as I said. But also we're going to know if there's anyone besides the, um, say, the more obvious players, you know, people calling for the end of the career of like Puopolo, he's probably gone, Burgoyne, he'll probably retire. People reckon Frawley's close to being done. People are saying Stratton, that might be it for him. Are there going to be players besides those obvious guys that might be off the list? I dare say we'll know very soon, about a month and a half, and that changes the landscape as well. So these are good questions, but we're going to be in a better position to answer them very soon. If we're making that many holes in our list, I love the idea of our recruiting team picking the eyes out of the Victorian kids who haven't had an opportunity to play that a lot of the other clubs aren't going to have the guts to pick at like pick 50, pick 60. There'll be more diamonds in the rough this time than there have been before. I think we're going to have to take some chances. I I simply think that we're going to be in a position where there's going to be a big turnover of the list. And not in the sense that, you know, bloody Matthew Lloyd or Kane Corns talks about the turnover of Hawthorne's list. Just, it's a fact of life. There, There are players that are nearing the end, and quite a few of them. I think we're just going to be in a position where we're going to have to be a bit bold, and uh, whether we like it or not, we're heading headlong into a new era of this club. Having said that, I would love to see Kozzi Kaczynski by the end of this year, a key back. Yeah, so would I. Yeah, I think he's meant to be next in line to Frawley, and I can only hope. It's it's hard to know from the scratch match reports. Well, I mean, Hartley's there as well. Hartley's there as well, but we know what he can do. But if I could get a look at Frawley, because it's so frustrating not having the VFL. I like going down there, having a look at the young kids, see seeing who is impressing. And the fact that Andy Otten says everyone's fantastic every week doesn't help. <laughs> and you don't get an idea of how cosy has been going. He's one that they've been a bit coy on in terms of their reporting, and I just want to hear more, and I want to see more, but it just... Uh... Well, he's a highly defensively motivated fellow. He doesn't seem to get the ball very often, but his impact against his opponent is good. Well, that's fine, because Frawley's the same. Frawley can have a good game and have about five touches, so... Anyway, we did have a revelation this week, didn't we? And this is very sort of... Victorian. Like, no one else would ever think to ask, would they? We need a bit of joy here as Victorians, and I thought I'd put this at the end of the show just so we have something to smile about towards the end. We heard from Erin at Hook Talk Pod. Which premiership replay did the Victorian Chief Health Officer binge on on his three days off? Do you want to go first with this, Nick? Because I have one in mind. Why would you only have one in mind? He's got three days off. 2013, 14, 15. Bada bing, bada boom. Sorted. I was thinking due to the restricted nature of the 2013 premiership, it was obviously that one. (laughs) I like your thinking. Very good. Very well played. Of course, it did come to light that our Victorian Chief Health Officer, is it Brett Sutton? Yes. That's his name. Yep. Nailed it. 
<laughs> how many how many months have we been in this now? I've nailed his name. That's good. Yeah, well, you know, you could have called him Silver Fox. Everyone would have known who you meant. <laughs> He's a big hit with the ladies. I tell you what, from what I've seen on Twitter, they're big fans. It's interesting to see him hit Twitter to tell us that he's a Hawthorne fan. That was interesting. It's been a good week, actually, for Chatter on the socials, uh, particularly for Apple Podcasts as well. It really makes our day to see five-star ratings and amazing reviews pop up. And we had one from Yarn, Tiz. Yarn says, this podcast is great. The charm and synergy of the two hosts is coupled with a consistent yet flexible structure in each episode. Consistent yet flexible structure. I can't help, but Clarko will probably say something like that in uh, intra-club meetings, don't you reckon? (laughs) I reckon so. As well as insightful analysis. The production values and sound quality are also the best I've come across in the podcast. And there's always a laugh to be had. Top stuff. Thank you, Jan. Yeah, thanks very much, Jan. Again, I say that really lightens our day and... You know, we're Victorians, as we mentioned, and it's a bit bleak down here some days. We want to see an end to all this, uh, but it really helps. It takes the edge off when we get such nice messages as those. Uh, Twitter, at HawkTalkPod, you can join us on there, and we just reached 2,200 followers, which is a massive milestone, and we thank everyone for being on board there, as well as Facebook. Our Facebook fans are really passionate too. Headed up to 1.4K likes, so facebook.com slash hawktalkpod if you want to join us over there. Now, Patreon has been busy in the past week. We've uh, uploaded a special commentary track of the 2015 prelim. That is up now, and it can be all yours for as low as $1. You can subscribe at the $1 tier, and you'll get to stream that and listen to us. Just uh, wrap it on over the top of the 2015 prelim. Yeah, it's a a great... um... What's the word? After dinner mint to that loss to Frio. It really <laughs> cleanses the palate. <laughs> it's very true. Uh, people have really enjoyed that. We heard uh, we heard something from Jacob, actually. He actually left us a message uh, via our Patreon, sent us a comment saying, After last night's loss to Frio, I woke up feeling very flat this morning, but I decided to pop this on after my uni classes, and it really cheered me up. Thanks as always, fellas. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Jacob. Uh, that was a lot of fun recording that and putting it together and uh, like I said it can be all yours if you want to subscribe and support the show all you have to do to get access to this stream this uh, special commentary track for the 2015 prelim you can subscribe at the one dollar tier one buck one buck for that come on we're worth it now speaking of one buck Mason's multi oh no I walked right into it (laughs) oh no (laughs) So you lost because Hawthorne lost, which I, I think... know, it broke my heart. Why did it have to be Hawthorne? Why? Now, the consolation is it was only a $31 payout. Are you on this round? Of course I'm not on, because I, I lost the first night of the round. Was that... Were we the first one, were we? No, 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 no. What I mean is, for that round, for round 11, all I needed to go differently was Hawthorne winning, and I would have had the 31 bucks in the bank. But uh, as it happens, no, nah, it was Hawthorne that let me down. So then I thought, all right, okay, well, that's disappointing. But Mason's multi rolls on and I'll go again. So lodge my tips for the next round and I can't get past the first game. <laughs> so we're back to normal, Tiz. Back to our regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> oh, Sydney did a number on GWS. They must be wondering if they could keep Cameron now after that. I'll be honest. And, and, and there's no word of a lie here. I, when I was lodging that the, the tips for this round for Mason's Multi, I was weirdly tempted to go Sydney. I don't know why I was tempted, but I didn't. It would have paid huge. Yeah, I know, but I, I could never have foreseen that GWS would lose like that, though. 
I thought Sydney might just edge them out, but I, I didn't think that was going to happen. But that's a testament to this season, Tiz. It's a weird one. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. I'm going to enjoy as much footy as I can, I think. I'll, I'll enjoy it too. I'll enjoy Hawthorne in proportion to the stuff that they do at the selection table. And I'm going to say this week, I'm a happy man. Get to see CJ in action, probably get to see him on the wing. It's good. This is the start of, of new stories. You invest yourself in one of these young players and it often pays off. We invested in Sicily and Warple and and even, um, oh, good old, what's his name? Mitch Mitch Lewis. You're such a They've shit stirrer. <laughs> They've played out pretty well. I'm sorry. It's getting to me now. I'm becoming one of those uh, trolley types, you know, because I'm not getting out enough. <laughs> Getting a little bit troll-like, you know. You need to get out for your hour a day, mate. I've had enough of this. <laughs> so it's Hawthorne taking on West Coast at Optus Stadium. I think it's a 6.10pm start, Australian Eastern Standard Time. We'll be live tweeting as always, and uh, we'll back it up again with a recap slash preview. Who knows these days, guys? We'll be back. You'll hear from us. We are a happy team at Hawthorne. <laughs>